0: Hello, I'm Oliver Wong
1: And I'm Morgan Rhodes, you're listening to Heat Rocks Every episode we invite a guest to join us to talk about a heat rock, you know, fire, flammables An album that bumps eternally And Today we will be deep diving together into an album celebrating its 20th anniversary this year Lover's Rock by the one and only Shadé. Sade Think I'd leave you side, baby. You know me better than that. Think I'd leave you down when you down on your knees. Even as I say these words now, it's hard to believe that Lovers Rock, the fifth album from Stuart Matthewman, Andrew Hale, Paul Spencer Denman, and Shade Adu, turns twenty next year. I know, some of you guys are getting a lot older. By the time Epic Records rolled this one out, it had been a minute. Eight years since a mermaid sang to us about tattoos, and kisses, and cherished days, and pearls. And while a hiatus that long might be concerning for most other artists, those of us who love Sade already knew. Well, you can't hurry love. No, you just gotta wait. And Lover's Rock was worth its weight in gold. To be sure, Lover's Rock is certainly an album about love for lovers, and not just because of the three songs on the album with love in the title. No, this is about real love, shouts to Mary. Love when it's complicated, when it's pretty, when it hurts, when it doesn't end well, when it lingers, when you suffer for it. This is grown folks' business, bought to us courtesy of the band well-known for their plush arrangements and the Chanteuse, well known for her interpretation of them. About Lover's Rock, there is a heaviness, a melancholy, and a focus on other matters as well. Immigrant uses biblical allusion to talk racial tension. Slave song is an awareness of the past, hope for the future, a prayer. All of this, all of the tracks, carried to us by a sun-drenched, dubby, slow-wind, soulful blend of torch song and testimonies. Because somewhere between Love Deluxe and Soldiers of Love, we found this album and the voice of Sade reminding us again that all things considered, love isn't always ordinary, but love is stronger than pride.
0: To talk about Lover's Rock on its 20th anniversary, we invited DJ, producer, and artist Trackademics, an OG from Alameda. Shout out to Bay Area Islands. Trackademics (laughs) has been holding down the left coast for 15 years and running building his rep first through his deliciously soulful remixes to the production work that he's done for everyone from Mr. FAB to J Davy to my boy Lyrics Born to Titre Moses and Kamaya. His most recent releases are from the early winter including the five-track EP Sunset Saturdays as well as a seven-song EP New Game he did with longtime creative partner 1OAK under the duo name Two Player Co-op. Mm. New Game notably Includes a bonus cut that seems apropos to mention today: a remix of Shadé's breakout hit, "No Ordinary Love."
2: love
0: like Track academics, welcome to Heat Rocks. Wow.
2: That's the best intro I've ever had. I know you've heard that before, but yes,
0: thank you. It's great to be here. What do you remember about Lover's Rock when it first came out in 2000?
2: Man, Lover's Rock. So when it came out, I remember I was in college, 2000. Uh, I was at USF, my dorm room. I actually had a poster up on the wall. I think the thing that rings the most when I think about Lover's Rock is that I had been a Sade fan it's one of she's one of those people who's whose music has always been in my blood I feel like just being a pure 80s baby um you know my mom playing the the uh smooth operator when it came out yeah. um and then you know all the other albums that uh, came subsequently uh I feel like I had been enjoying Sade um passively for years and so in high school after the best of when that came out um, I personally started to really get into Sade. Um And then Lovers Rock was important because that was a time where I could participate like as an actual fan yeah. in real time, not always going back. So that, I think that was the biggest thing. There was a lot of things surrounding it. Me and my friend group, we, we all were into Sade. Um But that, I think that was the thing. It was just like, it's almost like very pent up energy. Like, we Love Shade, We Love Shide. Yeah, and never had had an album since we've been like music kids. Right. <laughs> <Sure>. be- because <laughs> this is the
0: point in her career where she was putting out maybe an album a decade. Right. And right. so there'd be long, long distances between them. So how did Lover's Rock hit you compared to, let's say, the stuff that you had grown up listening to from her, from the, her 80s career? Right. So, you
2: know, I actually forget how... It laid out, I believe By Your Side came out. I think that was the first single, right? Yeah, and I was excited for that. And it, w- it was chill, it was like one of those chill, chill tracks. Um, and I think I was like, okay, let me see what else is gonna happen. And when it dropped, there were definitely some heat on the album, right? Oh, yeah, um, and it was, it's unlike, but I it was unlike all of the other albums that had come before mm. everything from uh yeah all the all the albums to like remix deluxe and the best of yeah um you know had a certain uh element of like production this one was noticeably stripped down uh to where Super it was minimalist. yeah it was noticeably stripped down like a lot more g- guitar right i loved it but it was it's definitely one of those albums that you had to like listen to it was a, it was a Shy Day's music is all personal, but this is really like a personal album. It felt more intimate right. to me. Yeah.
0: Morgan, how about you? What did you think of Lover's Rock when you first heard it?
1: You know what? And I'm glad that uh I'm glad that your academics picked this one because it forced me to go back and listen to it. Um you know, she had come out so strong for the first 8 years of her career. Promise diamond life stronger than Pride Love Deluxe. And then it was like 8 years of like, yo But thank God this happened in the time before social media. So no one was up on her tweeting her, like, where's it at? Where's it at? You know what I mean? What's up with Chalet? Where where you been? Right? Yeah. So, and she's one of those artists that I discovered with Lovers Rock that it doesn't matter how long she stays away, it's going to be fire. Right. My first impressions were, oh, this is different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, immediately I'm like, okay. I felt like it was a concept album, mm. not just because of the title "Lovers mm-hmm. Rock," which suggested this is what they're right. going to be giving, yeah. but because it sounded different than everything to me. Connected with Shadé, voice the same, still husky, sexy, yeah. But it was the first time that I thought, okay, this is not, this is not a Sweetback production album, right? A- a- although it was the same people, it didn't yeah. have that. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying about yeah, the yeah. Sweetback sound? Yeah. This mm-hmm. one was. This album forced me to listen to everything else, every single instrument. Mm-hmm in a way that I packaged everything together as sweet back on all the aforementioned albums. Right. And I was happily surprised with this. I don't know if the critics were, but uh, for me, it was love at first listen.
0: I was struck, especially on songs like, By Your Side to a certain extent, but I think the first one that really, really um, made an impression on on this note was Immigrant.
1: Coming from where he did he wants to stand away from every doll I chosen. to even the toughest among us. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And this to me sounds mm-hmm. like a lot of nineties hip hop soul. Like that could have been anybody with just the beat, yeah. that could have been anybody coming out the gate. That right. could have been Mary J. Blige, that could have been Jade. Right. Like that's a that's a typical drum beat pattern that we that we hear. And and actually, Immigrant's one of my favorite songs on here. Yeah, yeah. I do love that song. Yep.
0: <laughs> this might be just a small sample size because the only two places that I've lived over the last 30 years have either been Los Angeles or the Bay. But I feel like all the biggest fans of Sade I know are all from the Bay Area. And yeah. I've never really thought about why that is <laughs> until now, sitting here with, with a Bay Area native in, in, in the room. Um, you know, Besides just the people I knew and other DJs, I was also thinking about how Droopy, Forty son, yep. put out a whole uh, EP of just him rapping over Sade Loops called- uh, Black think, Diamond Life. Yeah, Black Diamond yep. Life, which was really cool. That was about 10 years ago. So, what is the Bay Area Sade connection?
2: Um, t- man- I feel like, you know, the first time I ever went to to London, which was 05, I felt at home there too. And I think it's the way that it's a melting pot. Like people mm. always say a lot of cities are melting pots, they have a lot of different people, but the way those different people interact with each other, it it reminds me of it re, London reminded me of home a little bit. And I I think culturally that that foundation like um everybody kind of interacting because you know the bay people always talk about the bay as being a specific place those who are from we always talk about it yeah of course <laughs> um just being being super cross-cultural um it's not just about color it's about economics it's about social everything about the bay it yeah. it connects right and so from from being in in london i could see that you know with just the, the immigrant populations whether it was a uh, you know um south asian or west indian Um, there's different makeups there but i feel like you you have diverse populations with a kind of like a backbone or i mean a an undercurrent of activism
0: yeah a little bit yeah yeah and
2: that that right there is enough to make crazy art happen in and i feel like uh you know Bay we protesting protesting is, is a second job yeah. for a lot of folks <laughs> you know if you ever spend time in Berkeley or San Francisco you know right. and I feel like Sade um, they they're not in your face with it but they've always taken a stand mm-hmm. with their music there's mm-hmm. always like a, a bigger a bigger reason they're doing music right. it's all it's very
1: personal yeah
2: but it's also very worldly Yeah, you know.
1: And Sade uh, sort of disarms you with her delivery and with her production that, you know, you're vibing along and then she hits you with Papa's been laid up, Mama's been laid up and you're like, oh, okay, okay. Or there was a woman in Somalia where they always take it there. They have been activists. I do Mm -hmm. think that Sade... Shadé's sound is a very West Coast sound, yes. both Southern and Northern California. Yeah. It's very yeah. vibey and it's very laid back. Very laid back, and I yeah. think it appeals to just the the best coast um, mm-hmm. lifestyle.
2: Um, yeah, well, that that in particular, I specifically like Sade because of, well, the chord, the chords, chord progressions, but also the, like the light jazz, um, they kind of the soul jazz R and B, but yeah. the bass lines, mm. the bass lines are actually fire And you could hear like a lot of Bay Area rappers who've sampled them over the years, rappers in general. Um, but like the bass lines are fire. And so there's that mob in there. There's mm-hmm. always like a, you know, we like the mob. So, right. yep.
1: <laughs> for sure. Slave Song is actually probably one of my favorites, if not my favorite, um, off this album. Um, I like it because it is so, just like the title track, it is like, this is what this sound is, in case you were unclear. Right. This is what we're going, going for. And to me, it says to me that this sound, this album is a departure from the Sade that, we, that we've known. Mm. It's no less intimate, right? Right, right? But what we're missing is the sensuality Mm-hmm. Mm. That came with Diamond Life and love, right. love Deluxe. That I don't imagine. Although I see all the slow wine, all the stuff, but we're we're missing the sensuality. Not yeah. that that's a bad thing, right? But I think it 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 brings another vibe, you know, another feel to this, and I love that. It, it's very to me. Um, it's just so dubby and reggae and, and and a little bit of ska to me. That to me, I was like. I don't know if, I, if I'm if i going to come away from this conversation saying this is my favorite album because that's right. sacrilegious. But what I love was that I was surprised that she went this way and went in this direction.
2: You, you know, retrospectively looking at it, I don't know if I'm surprised. I think this is the reason I love Sade is like rooted in Sophista Pop. A lot of people are like, what is that? That's actually my favorite genre. Yeah, that's
0: a good one. Yeah. So Sophista Pop
2: is really like one of my favorite favorite genres british mid-80s music soul jazz funk um a lot of you know it was just popping out there with that so um you know groups like the style council um there's tons of groups but they came from that after punk and then kind of like they they had this like very sophisticated pop sound the first and second albums and they started getting big in the states r&b and then i feel like the culmination is love deluxe where it's just with with the 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 um the radio format smooth jazz, you know what I mean. Definitely like that jazz. that helped catapult them a out here in the states to 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 take over the way they did. Um, but it also I f- I feel it helped inform fans like oh this is this is this group that that they came from this and kind of helped mold them to the point where Love Deluxe is like the most satin sultry smooth s-word <laughs>
1: band right
2: right you know to the point where I, I my biggest memory of that album uh was when indecent proposal it was always just everywhere because they had the song in the soundtrack So you ha- you go up to that, and then there's a big break. And coming back the way she did, looking back on it, and myself aging, not being too far from the age that she was when she dropped uh, Lover's Rock now. And I think about how much I've changed mm, in my career and, and how many things I liked. And also culturally, um, you know, what is informed of my music. Them, They're kind of going back to... I guess culturally, what London is, yeah. And whereas, like, it's a lot of West Indian, yeah. and, and and but they never really explored it the way that the rest of their the bands in their their uh, you know city might have, right? Because
1: came when they when um, Smooth Operator came out. I heard that on like the Wave. I heard right. that on a, like it, it was accepted as like a smooth jazz jam, totally. And then that whole album had had jazzy elements, and then I heard it on a lot of R&B stations. Lover's Rock was something that I didn't think was going to be a radio-friendly album, and I I didn't think I was going to hear a lot. To your point about about sort of the British sound, this album to me reminds me a lot of Massive Attack. Yes. One of the first things I thought about, I was like, oh my God, ding, 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 here it is. So I think to your point, that whole sound that was coming out of Britain, that mix of Lover's Rock and reggae and dub, Mm -hmm is all present on here and it was very sexy to me and worth the wait.
0: Right. As we've been talking about, you know, this is 20 years on since Lover's Rock first came out and I was trying to think about what it is I hear differently now than than, then, you know, and I don't know how it is for the two of you. This is my favorite Sade album and, and I think in large part because it has three of my all-time favorite Sade songs, which would be By Your Side, Mm -hmm. um, the title track, and especially Mm -hmm. All About Our Love, which is just A1 uh, in terms of, from my personal Sade discography. And what really strikes me, and I was thinking also back to our episode with Ernest Hardy from, I guess, almost two years ago, where we were talking about Love Deluxe with Ernest. And it's just, you know, you can't talk about Sade without talking about And I mean, in this case, the singer, not the band. But you can't talk about her without talking about affect. And, of course, you could spend – we could spend hours and hours just talking about the qualities of her voice. Maybe we should. But this album, I think, because it is so stripped down, because it is so minimalistic, it really, to me, just helps you absorb what is, to me, like the essence of her voice – and what she's able to do with it, and Morgan, you were saying earlier about how this may not have been the critic's favorite. Now, I don't think this is anybody's number one A choice in terms of a, a consensus number one. And I think partly it's because if you look at reviews from back then, people had a hard time figuring out what to say about this. Besides, oh, it's a new shot album. Right. <laughs> it sounds like the old shot albums. It's really good. And right. check for it. But they did. They it, they seemed to have had a hard time figuring out what else to say. Yeah. Yeah. Which. And I, I don't I not I did not review this album back then so I don't remember what I would have said but it just strikes me as, as so strange that you can't find anything beyond like she sounds really consistent. Right. And there's <laughs> and there's, there's some strummed guitar on here. Right. You know? Right. Cuz right. to me this is such a beautiful sublime LP.
1: Yeah. And I, and I I heard in prep for this chat I heard an interview that she did on CNN and she was saying and this was around when Lovers Rock came out yep. and she said I have like a deep husky voice. And mm-hmm. she said, I don't do a lot of gymnastics. And I think being a, a black woman sort of with one foot in soul and one foot in jazz, I think there's a tendency for us to want to describe your voice in a certain way. Yes, And there's nobody that sounds like Sade. That's one. Yeah. And I think that's mm-hmm. why people were stuck. Because who, who can you compare it to? Who could you compare it to in 88, 89? No. That was huge.
0: I was going to ask you, as the resident Anita Bakerologist in this room, I I feel like her and Anita get compared most often.
1: I think the difference is, one, and just go with me here because these are probably like Fisher-Price, you know, music, (laughs) analytical terms. (laughs) But I think that you hear a lot of the jazzy, the true jazz standard singers that that Anita Baker was influenced by. So I think she... Um the way she phrases is very pure jazz. Right, right? There's a lot of inflection. Right. right? Yeah. Where I don't hear that Right. I don't hear that in, in Sade. Yeah. And I think that Sade is she has her own sound and her own unique I don't think she's trying to inflect a certain way. It just is what it is. Mm-hmm. I think there's a raspiness and a weariness in her voice. Not tired, but there's a place where she doesn't push herself out of this out of this. Out of this one area, and that's what I like about her. I wouldn't compare her and Anita Baker because, number one, you're missing the rasp and the husk. And I know what Sade is saying. That's why I love her pen game. We've talked about this before. Oh, yeah. It's a few albums where I didn't know what Anita Baker was saying. I just knew it was fire. (laughs) I was like, I don't know what she's saying right here. But you know what? This is fire. You know what I mean? We have to listen to it over because how she... How she rides certain words, you'd be like, I hey. know this is deep. I don't know what's being said, but D- it's deep.
2: Yes. Literally, You, as you say that about Anita Baker, I'm thinking about, um what is it? Uh I, I hear this one line. Exactly. And that's all I need from her. But do you know what she was saying? No. Exactly. I know. that's my point, babe. That's my point. The thing, well, here's Sade, I mean, well, About the comparison, I don't think they should be compared off top Um, because they were they were on the same formatted radio stations at the time and have same fans, but they're doing different things. And uh, I know Anita Baker's, you know, from Detroit, informed by like black American. That's right. Music. And, And I feel like the mix that the band Sade brings to the table, it's a it's it's. Like I say, the city that they're from, there's so many different elements and they play differently. And if you put their voices, uh, together, that's not where you're getting the bulk of the jazz from Day. You're, you're hearing Stuart in the bath, or uh, in the, in the bathroom. You're hearing Stuart in the background play a saxophone yep. the way he does. Um, and, in and the chords that they play and the way they play with the electric piano and the bass to the point you're hearing all their instrumental songs, uh, uh, And like, there's so much jazz there, there, like it's, it's like contemporary jazz music. Right. Um, And so they're in that category. But if you listen to Sade, um, Helen sing, it's, it's, it's really prose. Her songs don't even rhyme. You know, the majority of what, what she sings doesn't rhyme. It's very concise. Um, It's, it's uh, like you say, she doesn't really break out um her voice her the the way she uses her voice as an instrument it's not doing a lot of backflips and cartwheels right exactly yeah
0: she's not belting she's yeah. not she's not a singer singer yeah right
1: no no flat footed no. singing no yeah. flat foot yeah. singing yeah. but but she doesn't need to right at right? all she doesn't need to cuz we we take her right at that point and that's where sweetback came in they're like listen yeah. this is the lane we've carved out for her and mm-hmm. we have built our sound around her voice right right and and I just love the lane that she's in, so I don't think that she needs to be, be compared.
0: Yeah, not at all. Shady, I think, as perhaps exemplified by this very conversation, I think she has just one of the biggest cult followings out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is for someone who, especially if we're talking about the t- 2000s, she's only put out two albums in <laughs> 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think the last time I was reading this up just to prep for today – I think in 2018, one of her bandmates said, oh, yeah, we're working on new material. But I'm like, well, it's it's 2020. Like, where where, where where's that? And it really strikes me as someone who's been spending a lot of time listening to Spotify and the so-called Spotify sound of pop and (laughs) R&B. Like, wouldn't Sade just be – I feel like, number one, she's influenced half the people on the top of those charts on Spotify. And number two, assuming that her material is consistent with what – has come before and there's no reason to think that, that they would ever change their formula tra- that dramatically in a lot of ways. Like it really has predicted the, the current sound that really laid back a lot of like mm-hmm. acoustic guitar. You can, you can trace some of that maybe to hear. She, I mean, she seems really very much like in the 2020, you know, even if we're not actually hearing her, I feel like her presence is still here. For sure. Yeah.
1: Because one of the things that, that I think about Sade sound all the time is, it is a vibe, but it's not sticky. And it's not in the way that people say a song is a vibe, <laughs> a vibe. now. um And the, the, her songs are longer than two minutes. And you believe that there are four or five people in the, in the studio playing the instruments where yeah. you don't think that now. Mm. And right. her music is, it may be vibey, but it's way more substantive than what most is on Spotify. And there's a whole generation of people making music now that were probably conceived to Diamond <laughs> right. Life or Promise or... Um, yeah. Um, or love is stronger than pride, yeah. um, and and I do think she has influenced that sort of laid that sort of laid back sound. Yeah. And I do see a lot of I, I I do see a lot of similarity even in some of the earlier house music, like naked music yeah. that came out of Ooh, San yeah. Francisco. Definitely, she's very 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 Lisa Shaw esque yep. without the unch, uncha, you know <laughs> exactly yeah of, of the naked music, but that sort of really sexy you know slow wind house music i feel sade right. is all over it. Yeah, the, very the, the deep um
2: right. yeah i feel like the thing about the because their catalog you it actually is tangible you can you can touch all the music that they've put out you know some bands you're like and mm, there's these lost tapes and then there's all this <laughs> there's not prints where you just like have that you there's a finite amount of sade music but i think th- what's telling about her music and cult fan base is that you look at you you look at how people have interfaced with her music through like remixes. Yeah. Um. One of the biggest things back when Lover's Rock came out that kind of pushed, uh, me and my friends like really excited was when the Neptunes yes. did the remix of By, By Your Side, Your Side. Yeah. and we, we were like that too. Yo. <laughs>
0: it's such a mm-hmm. great pairing because the Neptunes yeah. were yeah. so up on 80s sound anyways absolutely so yeah
1: and and I'm glad you brought that up because By Your Side had three fire remixes yeah the Neptunes was one there's another one that uh, that Matthew did or Stewart did it's the Cotton Belly Cotton Bell- Belly remix yes bought that so if love you that. That, that I love Christian. that one too They might have should have put this on the album. You know what I mean? Yeah. Bonus tracks. Yeah, because this is when bonus tracks were really like essential to your. Right. To your that was request. on Red Hot, right? Red, Red yeah, Hot Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which that I have, album that's, is just.
2: Yeah, we can get it. It's too much, dance low fit, and yeah, my let's God. not even start.
1: <laughs> that's that's so much fire on there. And then, as I mentioned, naked music. Which, um mm. I mean, I love I love house music. It is. Yeah. uh I could go on and on, but, but but my deep love for it. But I really got heavily into, of course, we know where how music started. But when San Francisco really got into the game mm-hmm. and Naked Music really got in the game, right. they changed it into a little bit of that sophistication that you talked about. And Naked right. Music, to me, had the best by your side reels. Yeah.
2: there's. I remember that one. One I also like was by Ben Watt. Uh, everything oh, but yeah. the girl oh yeah and yeah that yeah i i used to, that was a little bit more turned up it was like very long form house remix but uh i think that by the remixes that surfaced it also showed me like other people who who i wouldn't necessarily be well i wouldn't say necessarily be listening to but who i don't i didn't think like i didn't back then i was probably just learning about everything but the girl and like i'm a big fan of them too but i i didn't know that you know, I'm like, oh, they like Sade, too. And I mean, it it just kind of touches everybody, everybody you know, in a different way.
1: Everybody likes Sade.
0: This is giving me flashbacks oh. to clubs in the bay that would hang i would hang out in circa 2000 yep. like, this would be the I, I can even smell what it it's not necessarily a good smell yeah i i, I I'm, having that, I'm having that sense memory right now i remember yep. i tried yeah i tried to intern
2: for a label um on with that you know i think it was like giant step or something oh yeah. yeah and i i was like i was trying to be a college rep yeah and yeah. like because i liked i liked the house music and i i remember yeah going to uh what was it uh mushroom jazz and oh, all, the, yeah. all these different parties there were so many parties Yeah, sonar Mark collective and uh naked music yeah. Oh, miguel oh, Migg,
1: that's yeah. yeah miguel mix for sure yeah. and that that when that when that 12 inch came out it was just all white mm-hmm. the label was white and it was just like wait a minute what is this and i remember you know dropping it on on the air app was on the radio and dropped it and you know just phones lighting up and people was like whose remix was this and i was like naked music and mm. Uh, right. that, that's a testament to how everyone loved By Your Side that's right. not my favorite track from this album mm-hmm. but apparently it was a lot of people's favorites right.
0: and it, what's telling too about all of this all these remixes is, is that there's nothing on this album really that you would describe as a dance track and in general I don't think one associates Sade with like dance tracks right. I mean the tempos are always way too slow to like you're not going to drop this at the top of the evening that said and this goes back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier is that DJ's Love Sade. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and because partly I think the sparseness of the production, it lends itself to to Mm -hmm. remixes because there's not a lot there to compete with in terms of, you don't have to strip down a lot just to add stuff back. Right. Right. And I think that that's one of the, the charms about Sade is that you can give her a house remix and it sounds completely natural. We will be back with more of our conversation with trackademics about Shaw Day's Lover's Rock after a brief word from our Max Fun Sibling Podcast, keep it locked. Hi, I'm Dave Hill from before. And I'm very excited to bring Dave Hill's podcasting incident back to maximum fun. Where it belongs You can get brand new episodes every Friday On MaximumFun.org Or, you know, wherever And while my partner Chris Gersbeck and I Might lack in specific subject matter On our podcast We make up for in special effects Chris, add something cool Right here Also, we have explosions Animal noises And sometimes even this Dave Hill's podcasting incident every Friday on Maximum Fun. Chris, do another explosion right here. Dead Pilot Society brings you exclusive readings of comedy
2: pilots that were never made, featuring actors like Patton Oswalt. So the
0: vampire from the future sleeps in the dude's studio during the day and they hunt monsters at night. It's Blade meets the Odd Couple. <laughs> Adam Scott and Jane Levy. Come on, Corey. She's too serious, too businessy. She doesn't know the hokey pokey.
1: Well, she'll learn what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> Busy Phillips
2: and Dave Keckner.:
1: Baby, this is family. My uncle Tell,
0: who showed his wiener to Cinderella at Disneyland, is family. Do you want him staying with us? He did stay with us for three months, and he was a delight.
2: <laughs> a new pilot every month, only on Dead Pilot Society for maximum fun.
1: Yo, and we are back on Heat Rocks talking Sade's Lover's Rock with Trackademics.
0: So Trackademics, you have remixed a couple of Sade's songs. In fact, one of your early remixes, this is going back about 15 years, was a remix of Give It Up. Yeah. (laughs) So if you remember winding your way a decade and a half ago, what was your what was your approach like? How would yeah? What is right. we've been talking so much about remixing Day and we are sitting here with a Day remixer.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know it's funny back back then when that tape dropped. That was during the hyphy movement, and a lot of people know me for my Bay Area rap that I do, like my E40 remix um, yeah. and working with folks out there. But I also had a very like. Um, you know, like future, I guess back then it was like future soul. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and uh, I was, I was really flexing that as well. And I feel like I was always, I was looking for um, stuff to remix. My homie tap would give me stuff. Uh, my homie whiz. And like, I, I think that, that one, I I literally scoured. I was like, what Sade song can I do? It was actually like, (laughs) what can I do? Sure. Um, But when I heard, when I heard give it up, I was like, this is perfect because it's not one of the ones that everybody knows. There's no drums. Like there's just percussion in the background. It's very vibe. Like you can, you can, um, what's it? You can zone out to it. It's pretty simple. And so um, even when I made that, it's funny as you just played the clip, I listened to it and I was like, Oh yeah, I actually played along with this whole song mm. instead of like sequencing beats. Like I make a loop here. Yeah, I literally played the kick the whole time and the and then the snares the whole time and then could because the music wasn't played to a click track right like how it is now. Um, and so yeah, that yeah that trips me out and I wanted to I wanted to like bring kind of like those naked music vibes where it's like and, and like. I guess I always say when, when it comes to organic music, you like plug it in the socket, give it a little electric That's why you know little synth lines and stuff on top)
0: Bringing this back to Lover's Rock, Morgan, you've been saying that by your side, not your favorite. Not my favorite. So, what, to you, what's the fire track off of here?
1: I have to say that I go back and forth. And I just have to thank you again for bringing this up because it forced me to come back to it. And, and, and like I said, I was a little bit nervous about saying this, is, this might be my favorite album because I didn't say this when it came out. But, you know, you have the benefit of hindsight, yeah. okay? So, I think my favorite would be uh, a tie between the title track. And Slave Song. Right. I like Slave Song. And on its face, you know, you don't want to like anything that has slave Slave in the name. Right. right? (laughs) But I like it. Um, I like Lover's Rock because it is straight up. It is like, this is not only the title track. This is the vibe we were going for. Yeah. It's romantic to me. Yeah. It's sexy. Those are my two favorite tracks. I love everything about this album. But if I only had two, if they were like, listen, we, we, we're we only releasing two songs off this album for the rest of your life. Yeah. I'm taking uh-huh. rock and slave song. When I need to be rescued I need a place to swim I have a rock to cling to in the storm
0: <laughs> mm. And then slave song please.
1: On up the strength, the of a I would have to give up, But I'm thankful that I strong as I am and I'll try to do What
0: strikes me, especially hearing these two songs back to back, is that there's so much space on this album and that works really well with Shade's voice because yeah. there's so much yeah. space in her voice yep. too.
1: And patience. Yeah, I feel like the musicians are patient.
0: That's it.
2: I think that is the thing that sets them apart. You know, they're not. They they'll wait for it. You know, I I actually watched Lovers Live, and Mm. um uh just in preparation for this and watching that, I'm like, even the live performance is so simple it it had to do with a lot of lights and warm tones and colors and i was actually i'd gone to that tour twice so they mm. had two shows in the bay they had one in shoreline amphitheater in which i was in the fifth row and but the <laughs> i was in the fifth row Lexan. but the row actually curved around to the stage so i was at the end of the fifth row which is in effect like the first row watching that you could see there was like warm light and um yeah it w- it was crazy it's just uh Simplicity and watching it again, uh, you could see the just everything hmm. they, they gave time, they yeah. gave they didn't feel like they had to f- fill every moment with a crazy like her, you know.
1: We have we bought a um, adding to what we're talking about about, about the specificity of her production, I found a, a little clip from the Lover's Rock EP where she's talking about production more or less. Oh, wow, we call the album Lover's Rock. Traditionally me and Stuart have often started songs on just guitar and vocal and uh, when I was younger I'd listen to lovers rock music which is a sort of soft, sweet kind of reggae. Oftentimes he'll put a little uh, reggae beat in just the guitar and uh, I'll sing along kind of lovers, in a lovers rock style When I hear a beat like that I feel lifted up and inspired and also um, because I'm, I'm not a lovers rock singer. I can sort of go somewhere else. I can go and become someone for a few minutes that I'm not and sing in a way that I wouldn't necessarily and actually sing.
0: I just like listening to her talk. I was voice just about tonight. to
1: say, like, <laughs> if she didn't sing another note, I'd be like, just call me. I'm and pretty that's sure Sade
0: lives in L.A. So Sade if you hear this, like, come through. We <laughs> yes. want we want to sit down. We want to sit down with you in here. Right?
1: Indeed, yeah. indeed. And 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 I think one I think one of the points that should be made is when you have time. As a band, to spend that much time with an artist, with a singer, you know them. And right. I think they just got her to an extent that no matter what what type of style this album could have been anything, but everything in every decision, they knew how to wrap that production around her right. voice and make the most out of a voice that I think is so beautiful and didn't really need gymnastics to, right. be, yeah. to be perfection.
2: I mean, I feel she's very, I'm a Capricorn, but I feel like she's very very capricorn when you hear it it's sure. like it's very Let's solid it foundational <laughs> like serious but um what's your yeah, rising sign i'm a libra rising okay all right mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm into that stuff so okay I, I, no it's I, good I okay mm-hmm. yeah i'm a libra rising uh but capricorn and and it's funny just listening to Day's music i really feel like i can relate on like a core level like mm-hmm. of her her the way her music is deeply emotional, but she always looks unfazed. Right. Even even yeah. in the video, like if you look on this album, "King of Sorrow," oh you're God. like the king of sorrow. But and it, you, I can see that it's uh, you're having a very hard time. But she still, you
0: if you can't tell,
1: <laughs> and, she, and she is a Capricorn. Yeah. Oh, there yeah. yeah, you. Go. Was,
0: yeah, <laughs> called it mm-hmm. January sixteenth. What's your fire truck off this album?
2: My fire track, man. I. I'd have to say "Slave Song," but re-listening to it, every word
1: Ooh, is
2: is like it's like a deep. I feel like it's a deeper cut. No one ever brings that up. But I remember, I remember my relationship with the album when it came out. And um, so, while "Slave Song" is like the one that it knocks the hardest. It's like okay, I, l- I like the 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 production of this and and the message and everything. It's actually. You know, it, 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 it actually listening to that. I thought of the 1619 project about the New York mm, Times mm-hmm, did. Yeah. And it was very timely to like this 20 years around to listen mm. to this, this album. Um, and it's still relevant today. But, um, yeah, I have to say, every word is like a slow burn. It came back and I was like, ooh, I feel this song. I really feel it to the core. Like, I feel the, the, the kind of like, the sorrow in it, but it's like it is what it is.
1: Like and that yeah. echo, yeah, that echo that goes through the song is just like, ooh, yeah. love is what the world wants. Yep.
2: There's a resolution there. Yeah. I hear, that's what I hear.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you? For me, it hasn't changed in those 20 years. It's still all about our love. And I think partly, I'm, I'm really into just what do I hear? How am I hit by a song? And it's just its first opening bars. And this song just has aged so well because I'm still, still affected by it in the mm-hmm. same way. <laughs> I think back, you know, this was, if we're talking 2000. I would have been sort of at the tail end of one relationship, still kind of a year and change away from um, going out with the person who's now my wife. And I think that the kind of romanticism of Shaw Day, especially as someone who then was still not even in my 30s yet, like in my late 20s. It was, and maybe this is just a very kind of facile way of talking about Shidey, but I mean, her her music is so romantic. It is. I think it really really appealed to that that sense, and of course, an album called Lovers Rock, you just expect yeah. that kind of balladry and those themes to it. Uh, and yeah, this that song is still just utterly sublime to me. Oof. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I was also thinking about because we you know oftentimes we ask people about their favorite moment on the album and. This, the, the way the song opens is, is very close. But when I really went back and listened to the album again, I think my favorite moment actually comes on King of Sorrow. And it's really when you hear her deliver that opening line. I'm mean, You were saying earlier about her pen game. And just a line like that, I'm crying everyone's tears. Like,
1: her pen game is sick. I mean, mm-hmm. it is sick. And and there's so many just like heaters on here from from all kinds of songs. But one of the one of my favorites is "Every Word," where she's like, "You treated me like a stranger, and mm-hmm. all the time I was loving you. All your slick words, all, all your slick moves. I was like, Yeah, get out of my mind, get out of my texts, <laughs> stop reading my Tumblr." Um, but but yes, her pen game is fire. It, and it has been fire. I, I yeah. think one of my favorite moments is the last song. Because I was surprised at the organ. I wasn't expecting that. Mm. And it sounds very worshipy to me. In all the, towns, In the nest comes from pain. It's amazing how you love. Soundtrack ready. That's end credits ready. Yeah. All day, oh, there it is. <laughs> all day long. Do
0: you have a favorite moment? You
2: know, it's funny. Yours is what I was thinking of because the line is so poignant. Yeah, like, and just a way to open a song. I mean, yeah, that's just mm-hmm. it's a, mm-hmm. boom. Yeah, there's yeah. like other musical moments, but that that is like that's actually like the the peak stance in the album like oh snap like that's what kind of this whole vibe is but um i also like um uh, uh, somebody already broke my heart but there was there's actually a hit in there right after she says it somebody already broke my heart bap somebody
1: already broke my heart <laughs> there's a
2: hit in like that happens that they played out on stage with the lights. And I remember that because it's like a, it sounds like a, a synth, like if a synth could like drop water or paint, I think they dropped water. That's actually what they did when that happened. And I remember it just having an effect on me when being at the show, I'm like, Oh snap. I remember hearing this in the record but also seeing like that, they took they took care to put that in the show.
0: Yeah, I was
2: yeah, I like that. See, so they
0: knew they knew that was a moment, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, we were talking a little bit about um, sleeper jams, right? Because you were saying track about how mm. every word would yeah. be, be that for you. And listening to this again, I realized a song that I think I I kind of sped through twenty years back, mostly because it it gave me too many too much G funk vibes was somebody already broke my heart actually just because of (laughs) of the production style but like that song's incredible yeah yeah Yeah, that snaky synthesizer. Yep. Which yeah, I'm, back in mm-hmm. two thousand, like yeah, I'm, I'm good with this. Let me kind uh, <laughs> of. but no this this song is the song is
2: is the jam. I don't For think sure. I even heard it because I use it all the time still. <laughs> I'm still making every beat with that lead in there, but <laughs> that's crazy. I feel oh. the
1: same about flow. I think flow was a bit of a sleeper jam. Oh. Mm, I, yeah, and I love the beat on flow. Lauren Hillish.
2: That, that, I was listening to that and it reminded me of this Black Star song and I could not, it's, it, it doesn't really sound like it, but it's with the drum. It's definitely a hip hop song. Sure. Like Flow yeah. Flo has a hip hop beat yep. with like an acoustic over it. Yep. But it reminded me of a, of one of the songs on Black Star's album. Um, I can't quite remember which one it was, but yeah. It was it,
1: like a, a little pinch of Wyclef. Yeah. <laughs> a little pinch of Wyclef.
0: We oftentimes ask if there's a song off of here that you would like to hear covered or remixed. But given mm-hmm. that we are in the studio with someone who has remixed Shade, albeit I don't think you've remixed anything off of this album. So if you had to choose a track to remix, which one and why? Ooh, that's that's a
2: very good question. Um, I, and you know what? I don't think I've thought about it. If I remix or cover, because those are two different things. Oh, good point. Which um, would you rather hear? If you, especially if you're working on it. If I was working. I would probably want to do a cover, so yeah. just from the ground up, because there's so much—there's um, it, it, there's a lot here, but it's very sparse. You mm. you can interpret it. I think uh, the way I like to cover things is uh, by still kind of being—keeping true to the original, but, like, really, really turning a corner with how, how the production is. Or, you know, I, I'm, you know, just trying to figure out a way to, like, bring it a whole— New vibe because um, you don't want to, uh, like I say, it's sacrilegious, it feels like. But on this album, if I was to cover something, probably Lover's Rock. Mm-hmm. Just because it's so, it, it's one of those songs that's very much in the style. It's actually the album track, you know, title track. It sounds like what they were going for. Yeah. Right and and, but to bring that, but to kind of like switch that and bring it into a different context, you know, Mm. that would be interesting to me because it's a fully written song. It's not. There's there's a lot of words there to play with. There's a lot of things to do with that song.
1: so we ask our guests if they could describe the album in three words what would they be
2: oh it's mm, i would have to say sweet mm. simple but substantial mm. yeah like I like the mm, alliteration,
1: alliteration yeah.
0: yeah yeah i love alliteration hey <laughs> it's man one of my favorite things hey <laughs> hey if listeners really enjoyed listening to Lovers rock. What should be next in the rotation? And Morgan, you want to start us off?
1: You know what? I'd have to. I mentioned Massive Attack, so I'd have to go back to Massive Attack, and I'd say they've got a lot of albums, but you need to go to protection. Mm. Um, jams like Spying Glass, the title track Better Things, will keep you right in the pocket. Don't drag me down. Just because you're down, I just cause your flu. and then also if you're really feeling the lovers rock then you need to go right to Horace Horace Andy oh, and In yes. the Light and and also explore his his song Five Man Army which is also with Massive Attack but if you put these two things together then you're in the pocket vibe-wise and
2: sonically.
0: I was thinking again about Sade's vocal affect. And while I think Sade is incomparable in many, many ways, she certainly has, I think, predecessors in terms of signature voices that communicate that same kind of effortlessly cool smoothness and who who came to mind was the Brazilian bossa nova singer Astrud uh, Gilberto mm, and yeah. i think for entire generations of brazilian music music fans she was the sound of bossa nova thanks to that very light lilting voice that always sounded in the same way that shot ages you just never hear her sweat yep. i feel like yeah. astrud was very, very similar to that and you could do worse than i think starting with her self-titled debut Uh, From all the way back from 1965, which includes one of her greatest hits, uh, Agua de Beber. For academics, how about you? What do you think people should listen to after Lovers Rock? There's so much
2: in the universe that, that... it's kind of adjacent. Um, I feel like, I mean, definitely Esthero, mm-hmm. um, like that that first and second album. The, it's funny. I feel like their trajectory kind of was similar.
1: Are you talking about breath from another? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Breath
2: from another. But then how she went more um, acoustic, yeah. more. Um, so definitely that. Just on a vibe level, modern day, definitely Alex Isley for sure.
1: Well you mentioned that um if you if you're new to to track academics and his discography, you really need to get into his remixes, especially one that he just did for Alex Isley that you know changed my whole life mm. one day on Bandcamp. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> what is this? And I was like, Of course, it's trachodemics. That's what's up. <laughs>
0: Well, that will do it for this episode of Heat Rocks with our special guest, Trachademics. You have your own solo EP that just came out, uh, Sunset Saturdays. You have your your duo, New Game, with one OAK. What else are you working on right now? Um, So I'm slowly, steadily working
2: on an album. Also, I have another uh, EP dropping called
0: jacuzzi dreams Mm. yes (laughs) okay you've definitely been in la now for a minute yes always (laughs) you know where can people find you online
2: um at trackademics everything t-r-a-c-k-a-d-e-m-i-c-k-s at all
0: the socials thank you for coming through hey You've been listening to Heat Rocks with me, Oliver Wong, and Morgan Rhodes.
1: Our theme music is Crown Ones by Thess One of People Under the Stairs. Shout out to Thess for the hookup.
0: Heat Rocks is produced by myself and Morgan, alongside Christian Duenas, who also edits, engineers, and does the booking for our shows.
1: Our senior producer is Laura Swisher, and our executive producer is Jesse Thor.
0: We are part of the Maximum Fun family, taping every week live in their studios in the Westlake neighborhood of Los Angeles.